Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, uh, we're going to jump into the next three weeks are just, uh, just free hit Sundays. So we're not sitting in a series. It just gives us a chance to share some things that are on our heart. And uh, so we're going to jump into a message today that I just want to encourage us with it's been sitting on my heart for a little while I think it's going to be important for some of us to hear why don't we pray as we jump into God's word together hey God thank you for the gift of your word thank you Lord that we get to hear your heart hear your thoughts that you give us uh, direction for our lives thank you that we get the chance to align our life to the one who created us and who designed us to flourish God as we read your word today would we be shaped by it encouraged by it challenged by it May we leave this place this morning uh, different from how we walked in. I thank you that we know you. Your word tells us that you are present with us. We know you're present here today. and We ask you to speak uh, through uh, my words and just speak into our hearts the things that we need to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to take a seat. All of you that have been here for a while know that I have had some stuff done on my vocal cords, which is why I'm sounding so mellow and like I should be on like the night, send you to sleep, kind of. Does, that, does it sound like that? Right, so don't fall asleep. But uh, if I only get five minutes into this and I run out of steam, I'm just going to point at someone in the front row and they're just going to take over, right? My notes are really exhaustive. You can go from there. But I'm a bit quieter, and so sitting down helps me not shout. So that's going to be a really good thing. I, I want to talk this morning, and I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 7. I just want to talk this morning about where our hope is built. Jesus preaches, and it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, what is known as some of the most famous words ever spoken, certainly the most famous sermon ever given, some of the most revolutionary things that have ever come from somebody's mouth that speaks about life. It's, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, Jesus talks about how we treat each other, how we love one another, how we should even love people that don't love us, how we should love our enemies and we should pray for those who persecute us. He talks about a whole bunch of incredibly revolutionary ideas. And then right at the end of the sermon, he says this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because he had its foundation on the rock. He goes on then to talk about what happens if we don't build our life on a good foundation. But I just want to talk about foundations a little bit this morning. I just want to ask us where our hope, and, and the question is not where's our hope, the question for you today is what is it that you're building your hope upon? Like if you drive into Brisbane City or drive down the coast and look at some of the high-rises that now uh, just dot the landscape and, and they seem to be getting taller and taller. I think the, the highest building in the Brisbane CBD is over 80 floors. Like that's just insane, isn't it? But if you've ever watched the process of one of those buildings going up, you would know that often there's a bit of fanfare about the start of the building and then for months and months and months, work gets done that doesn't get seen. We don't actually get to see the, the value of what you know, people are going to buy. People don't get to see where their money is going to go. But for months, heavy equipment and drilling machines and concrete trucks and steel 
just gets poured into that site because the foundation work is the very thing that actually keeps the building's integrity for years, generations to come. I was talking to someone that, that, that's been involved in the construction of one of these buildings. You get a quarter of the time. So a three-year three build, nine months will happen underground. That seems like a lot of time, a lot of investment for something that doesn't get seen. So, so we don't build a property because they take photos of the foundations. We build it because it's got a great kitchen or you know, we really like the aspect, we really like the, the layout of the house. But you know, a quarter of the time in building one of those high-rises is actually spent underground. You know, 15% of the budget on one of those high-rises is spent underground. Now, we all know that that's important because when we're standing on the 20th or the 30th or the 40th or the 80th floor of a high-rise, we're all hoping that the builder put some significant effort and some significant time and some good thought into building great foundations. See, foundations really matter. See, foundations are the thing that allows what happens above the ground to weather the storms that come. Foundations are the thing that allows what happens above the ground, what is seen by everybody else, to weather the shake or the movement of the earth. The foundations are the things that, that allows the building to stand even when things come against it. And Jesus says that, if you build your foundation on my words and on who I am, when the storms come, when the waves come, when the waves beat against that house, it will stand. Foundations really matter. So my question this morning is, what foundations is your faith built upon? About 20 years ago, I remember walking with a, a very dear friend of mine, a friend, a mentor, someone I looked up to. It was actually someone that was a, a bit of a hero for me in the faith. And I, I can't remember where we were going. I can't remember what our destination was. I can still vividly remember that we were walking into Garden City Shopping Centre. Don't know for what purpose. We we're having some conversation, as we often did, about relationships and God and faith. And, and he said something to me, and I, I, I can't quote the exact statement, but the intent of it's always stuck with me. He said something along the lines of, you know what, one day one of us will do something that lets the other one down. And at that moment, I was a little bit dejected because I wanted to believe optimistically that that wasn't the case, that relationships can uh, see through anything that comes against them. But you know what, those words actually became, and, and you know, there was something in me that just thought, but I, I can't see it. He, this is a hero of mine. This is someone that I look up to that, that's never done anything wrong in my eyes. Well, well, those words became a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy some years later. And just through distance, through circumstances, through just a, a weakening of communication and probably some of my own immaturity as a, you know, 20 years ago as a young, young adult, um, you know, things happened, and I wouldn't say anything major, but the relationship changed, and both of us probably carried at times some disappointment in the other. We ask a question when we do pre-marriage counselling, and I don't want to, I'm, I'm hesitant to share this, because some of you will do this course one day, and now you'll know the right answer. <laughs> I don't want you to know the right answer. But one of the questions that gets asked in the little survey we take says, I don't believe that my future life partner could possibly do anything to upset or hurt or wrong me. <laughs> it's something like that. I probably don't need to say anything more. I think the reaction of the room. But, but you know what? It, 
It is one of those moments, isn't it, when in, in the early stages of romantic relationship, you look at someone like they could do no wrong. There's nothing they could say. Everything they say is just dripping with honey. There's nothing they could do that I couldn't forgive. Nothing that they, they, they would ever ask of me that would ever just turn my heart against them. And uh, depending on how that question gets answered and, and a whole range of others that I'm not going to tell you about so you can't cheat, we, we talk about this whole idea of idealistic distortion. In other words, sometimes we see things through rose-coloured glasses that aren't actually overtaken by the realities of life. And you see, in both examples, we come to a point where you recognise that even those that are closest to us, that know us best and love us most, have the potential to let us down. Now, I don't mean this to be a dejecting sermon, but I think hopefully it's a freeing sermon for some of us. But, you know, one of my observations in ministry over many years has been this, that some people build their hope and build their faith on the shoulders of people. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking this term just gone about community and the strength of community and the responsibility of one anotherness and what it means to love one another and how important it is that we are people that actually take very seriously that the Bible tells us that we are to actually love one another practically in word and in deed. And that does not change anything that I'm here to talk about today because we do have a responsibility to each other. And even more for those of us that have declared that Jesus is Lord and put our faith in him, actually part of what comes with growing as a disciple of Jesus is that we take very seriously the way that we treat other people. But while we need others, if the thing that we build our hope on is other people, at some point we're going to get disappointed. People are not the foundation on which you should build your faith. Why? People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. People aren't going to turn up when you think they should turn up. People are going to speak words at times that are going to be uh, you know, disappointing to your spirit. People aren't going to respond the way that you hope they would respond. People aren't going to live up to your expectations. And at some point, people are going to be the very reason that some of us get disappointed, disillusioned. And I see often people walk away from their faith because of something that someone else did. Well, if that's the case, we're building our foundations on the wrong thing. If people are not the thing that we should build our hope upon, why? There's a whole bunch of reasons. One, people sin. Let me change that. We sin. For everyone here that's been disappointed, you've probably been part of disappointing someone else. Problem is we feel the disappointment that comes our way. We don't always feel it when we're the ones responsible for it. But unless we're willing to actually own in life that we can both be the, you know, the victims and the perpetrators, we'll never have a true understanding of the place and we'll never have the grace to deal with others appropriately. It's only when we come face to face with our own inadequacies that we come face to face with an understanding of what it means to show grace adequately. Because for everyone that's been let down, somewhere in your story, I'm sure there's been a time that you've let someone down. You may not know it, they may not have spoken it, they may never have circled back to you. Some of you know you've let people down and you've been told all about it. But some of us don't even know when we've done that. But we shouldn't be surprised, you know, because people let us down. And then the reason is people sin. We're all sinful people. We're all broken people. We all have our stuff going on. More than that, sometimes people have their own burdens to bear. 
Now, the Bible says very clearly that we should bear one another's burdens, but it also says that we should bear with one another. That's interesting, isn't it? Bear one another's burdens, but always bear with one another. I reckon it's because of the same thing. Sometimes as we're bearing one another's burdens, the person bearing our burdens drops the ball and we get disappointed in them. Then the Bible says, okay, go to the other verse, bear with them. But sometimes we don't recognise because we ask someone to carry something for us, but we have no context of what's going on for them. I reckon this last week has been really indicative of that. We're deeply disappointed in our family. Next, next weekend uh, was meant to be a family reunion to celebrate my father-in-law's 90th birthday. Chrissy's dad's turned 90 in a month's time, and so uh, for the first time in as long as we can remember, uh, all the nieces, nephews, and Chrissy's from a big family, so immediate family now is about 60 or 70 with uh, Chrissy's parents have got 26 grandkids and 24 great-grandkids and then all the partners and husbands. And it was going to be a big reunion, but it was going to be happening in New South Wales, northern New South Wales. But we've got nephews that are flying in from Western Australia that now can't cross the border. We've got family coming that are already in Queensland on their way down from the Tiwi Islands north of Darwin that now can't cross the border and then yesterday we found out that none of us can really cross the border because they're only allowed five people in their house. So suddenly it all comes down and you can have one of those moments where there's a deep disappointment for us and there's a woe is me moment but then you open the news and you read about everybody else that next weekend has had to cancel weddings, can't get to funerals, can't go on the holiday that they've planned and dreamed of for years. I just want to tell you, just holiday in Queensland. It's just, it's just easier. Just cancel all your other plans and holiday in Queensland. They don't seem to shut the council boundaries. They just seem to shut the state borders. It's just save yourself a lot of grief for the next... Well, who knows? We all booked holidays this time last year, thinking by the time we got to now, it'll all be good, but here we are. Uh, my, my, my point is this, that sometimes we can become so enveloped in what's happening for us that we don't take enough time to think about what's happening for others. And it's the same when it comes to disappointment. Some of us have been let down, but we haven't taken long enough to step inside somebody else's story and to understand what's happening behind closed doors for them in their family or their workplace, in their finances, in their relationships. Maybe right now the person that's letting you down the most is carrying a burden that you have no idea about. But again, if we build our hope in people, we put all of our eggs in that basket. And, and please, the intent of my message today isn't to say give up on each other. It's not that. It's actually to point us to a different foundation that allows us to roll with grace with everything else. But people sin. People have their own burdens to bear. Sometimes people forget. Well, let me apologise publicly right now for everybody that I'd said I'd buy a coffee for or hang out with or catch up with and I never followed through. It's not because I don't love you. It's just because I've got a bad memory and I should have written it down when I said it. But everybody has those moments, don't we? Where, where, where we don't live up to the expectations that we've communicated to somebody else. And sometimes the, the reason we get disappointed is we can't see beyond our own perspective or, or sometimes we actually just have expectations that are unreasonable. It's, sometimes you can reach out to someone and give them a call and they can go, what are you ringing me for? And ring someone else and they go, how come you didn't ring me yesterday or the day before? Like, we all have different expectations of each other. You have that in all of your relationships. Sometimes the thing that gets in the way is our own expectations. But the bottom line, people will and can, and at some point in your life, if you haven't experienced it yet, will let you down. But it's just as they let you down, 
so you will let others down. We shouldn't be surprised about this. Just go to the scriptures. Think about all the heroes of the scriptures. Let me just go to the top line, the people that even those that have never sat foot in church, stepped foot in church, I would know about. Abraham, Father Abraham, great hero of the faith, had so much faith in the promises of God that he decided to go and sleep with his, you know, someone else in his household because he didn't believe that God could bring the miracle through his own wife. And then Abraham's wife actually encouraged him to do it. There's a messed up story. If I go and do that, I probably won't be your pastor for much longer. Like it's a messed up story. Go to Moses. Moses, the great leader of, of the people of Israel as they came out of the hand of the slavery of Egypt. Moses one day got so angry that he killed an Egyptian, buried him in the dunes. Moses didn't do everything God asked of him. Moses didn't actually get to see the, the, the promise fulfilled in the same way that everyone else did because Moses had his own failings. What about King David, the great King David? I mean, most of us know this story, but, but King David got completely infatuated with a beautiful woman that he saw bathing one night, decided to take her in and sleep with her. And then when he slept with her, she got pregnant and he thought, well, I've got a problem now, so what should I do? Rather than own up for it, I'll get her husband who's fighting my battle and I'll put him on the front line so he dies and he never finds out. It'll all be good. You see, sin has this capacity to mess up our thinking process. We start to convince ourselves that things that the rest of society goes, that is the most ridiculous idea we start to justify in ourselves because it's actually going to be better for people not to know. I mean, there's Solomon. Solomon, who, whose words, many of his words are written in parts of this book that we lean on now and go, let's read the words of wisdom that Solomon wrote. And the Bible tells us that Solomon in his later years got caught up with foreign women and started worshipping other gods. Peter, the great Peter, who at the last moment walked away from his best mate as he was crucified. I mean, Jonah. Jonah, I've got a task for you. I need you to go and deliver a message. Jumped in and got swallowed by a whale. There was a story on the news in this last week about <laughs> a man right, that got swallowed by a whale. Did anyone else hear that story? That's cool. If, he, if his mates don't nickname him Jonah, they've got a problem, right? But apparently, if you haven't, go and Google it. But there was a bloke that was scuba diving, I think, and reckons he got eaten by a whale. And it was in there for like a minute. Oh, that was pretty cool. But, and my point is, just go to the scripture and look at all the people in the scripture. And what we discover about people once again, everyone's got their shadow side, their brokenness, their thing that has the potential to let us down. So if we build our hope on people, it's not a great foundation. What about if we build our hope on the church? I hear this all the time. Some of you use this. I've, I love the church. I'm upset by the church. I'm going to... You are the church. We don't third-personalise the church. It doesn't exist, right? It, as a thing out there, it exists as a thing here. But some of us have put our hope in the church. In my church. You know what? As a leader of a local church, I have to say this. It saddens me most deeply when the reason people walk away from their faith is because they're experienced of the church. I don't think there's anything that grieves me more deeply than hearing that. But once again, if people are looking for us to be their saviour and their hope, there'll be a point 
where they may get let down. Certainly in this church, because we, we're not perfect. I'll just let you know that. Anyone that's new, I'll just put out that disclaimer right now. Welcome to a really imperfect church with a very imperfect pastor. And I'll introduce you to some of the other people here and then I'll look shining light. It's <laughs> but here's the thing. The church is just people. And there's the thing, again, if we build our hope on the church. You know, one thing I think we've got to be really careful of in our culture, and I speak this a little bit, I speak this to some of the young generation, but I actually think it's in different ways just as inherent in the old generation, and that is we create celebrity Christians. You know, it's like we, we almost want the autograph of the, the podcaster or the pastor or the worship leader that's just kind of trending at the moment, and so we find our favourite podcast and we find our favourite authors, and suddenly they become the one portal through which we discover and grow in our faith. We've got to be so careful of the celebrity culture in Christian church. I, I had a little moment of celebrity in the last week. I don't know where James is, but he could clarify it. We, the Gateway Almo podcast made it into the top 150 of Christian podcasts across Australia. So apparently you only need six listens to get into the top 150. <laughs> But they're just the details and we don't need to talk about that, right? So, so can I just put a challenge out, just, just for my own ego's sake, if all of you could log on to our podcast this week and just play it. Don't worry about listening to it, but just, just play it on loop. Let's see if we can get this thing into the top 20, right? That's just kind of... But you know what? There's, there's two things. As people, we've got to be careful that we don't elevate leaders beyond who they're meant to be as leaders, anyone here that's a leader, we've got to be careful that we don't let our ego chase something greater than what it was ever designed to be. You know what, what the greatest leader in the scripture said? That the greatest amongst us are the least amongst us and the greatest of us shall serve. We've got to be careful that we don't build a celebrity culture in the church. Because churches are full of broken people, like every single one of us. I don't want to take away this morning from the responsibility we do have to one another. But if the foundation we build our faith on, if my hope is built on people, it's not a great foundation to build your faith on. Because if our faith is built on anything other than Jesus, when the storms come, when the ground shakes, when your life is struck by something, it crumbles. But if your faith is built on Jesus, when the storms come, you'll stand. When the borders close, you'll stand. When someone lets you down, you'll stand. When the church does the most imaginable thing to disappoint you, you'll stand. When someone doesn't turn up when they said they were going to turn up, you'll stand. And more than that, you won't just stand, you'll forgive them. You'll restore that that was broken because the foundations are strong. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says this, uh, Are you still worldly? For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. See what Paul's trying to say here? Like, God's got a place for people in your life. And there'll be people of influence, and there'll be people 
of integrity and there'll be people that will shape you and there'll be people that encourage you and there'll be people that build you and there'll be people that help you discover more of who Christ is. But he says, what is Paul? What is Apollos? They're just servants through whom he came to believe. As the Lord has assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God's been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. Again, what we do matters. And one day you'll be held accountable for the life that you live before God. Let's not lose sight of that. You'll be accountable for the life that you live before God. You know, there is a reward for those who labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should build with care. Now listen to this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Is your hope built on people? The invitation today is to build your hope on Jesus. What's it look like? Let me give you something to take away to think about this week, to apply, to think about practically. Because if you build your hope on Jesus, you'll find someone that won't let you down because he is faithful. And even in the moments where you question his goodness, stick at it because he's never let anyone down. If you build your foundation on Jesus, you build your foundation on his strength. When the storms come, when the waves rise, when the ground shakes, when something strikes at you, you'll stand because the foundations are firm. Build your hope upon his love that welcomes you, that values you, that brings you into his family. So here's the question. Here's the homework. Take it away. If I answer it for you, it won't be as good as if you answer this for yourself. But what is it you need to do to invest in your foundation? What is it right now that you need to do to invest in your foundation? It's got an encouragement for some of us because I think some of us have been cruising in our faith. It's been so much part of our life for so long, we've just been cruising. And we haven't been saying to God, what what new is it you've got to teach me? What what more is it that I can give? What what more do you want to unlock of yourself? We've just kind of been cruising for a long time. Well, if you're not a lifelong learner, you're not living out the call to follow because Jesus is always moving. And if you're going to be a follower, you've got to keep moving with him. If you're still living in the glory of what faith was 30 years ago, Jesus is moving. Start moving with him. Where's he going? What's he saying? What's he doing? What's changing? See, God, God, you've just got to read the scripture to know that God is the absolute master of helping culture understand who he is through the lens of their culture. And God is going to give us the keys to help people that have no idea of who God is understand him through our culture, not by taking away from the truth of who he is, but by finding new ways to communicate it and to gather around it and to encourage it and to bless people through it. So get moving in faith. You know, the irony of everything I've just said is one of the greatest gifts God gives us in actually going deeper in our foundation in him is each other. How ironic is that? You're all broken, but if you work together, you'll all go deeper in me, which will build a better building because you've got a stronger foundation. So what's it look like for you to build a deeper foundation? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts to take away. Do you need to actually get back in the discipline of reading his word? Not reading his word because you're leading life group this week or not reading his word because 
you know, you sh- it's just something that you have to do, but actually going in, and maybe you've read it five times, but what is it for you to actually go and find something that actually takes you deeper into it? Like find that something online, a course or something that you can go deeper into God's. But what is it for you to have a regular time of prayer? What does it mean to be committed to being part of a worshipping community? Where every week you actually take your eyes off yourself and lift them to Jesus. And how are you using your gifts? What do you need to do to build a deeper foundation in Jesus? 200 years ago, someone wrote a song. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We're going to sing that in a minute. But let me leave you with an encouragement for the psalm that I want to have this morning as a prayer. I just want to pray over us. So why don't you pray this with me? Psalm 33. Lord, we wait in hope for you. For you're our help and our shield. In you our hearts rejoice, for we trust in your holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. God, I want to pray that all of us would discover what it means to build a deeper foundation into you. God, for those here that that have a brokenness inside because they've been let down, hurt, disappointed by a church or, or by someone close or by someone that's represented you, Lord, I just want to pray that you just minister your healing. God, I just want to pray that you would minister a deep healing into those hearts. But God, in the midst of that, I want to pray, God, that you take the foundations deeper so when those storms come, when those waves crash, when the ground shakes, God, the foundations won't move and the building will stay strong. And even the bits that crack can be repaired because the foundations are good. God, I pray this. May your grace rest over all of us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.